This is Josh Sumby, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Egg Services in Drayton, North Dakota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Egg Services, providing solutions for your success. Friday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Whitney Pittman along with Randy Conan and Tyler Donaldson. The Board of Directors for Ag Country Farm Credit Services and two other farm credit associations have signed a collaboration contract. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Don Wick has the story. The other groups in this collaboration are Frontier Farm Credit based in Manhattan, Kansas and Farm Credit Services of America with headquarters in Omaha. With the agreement, the three associations will share leadership, strategic planning and technology while retaining local independent boards, offices and cash patronage programs. Ag Country President and CEO Mark Nisley. Just really excited about working together with our peers, uh, both at Frontier and FCSA. And, and uh, again, we're all very successful organizations, um, have been. Uh, this will just elevate, I think, and accelerate the ability um, for a country in particular to deploy this and really really do a, a thorough job around this whole customer-centric operating model. The collaboration is designed to provide the benefits of scale while maintaining local control. By doing this as a, a contractual arrange, arrangement, it's, it's not a merger. Uh, they'll, they'll remain uh, independent and, and uh, um, independent associations, and that means we're not going to be commingling balance sheets and, and all of that. The boards of directors will still be uh, independently elected by the stockholders in those association territories. And again, just kind of bringing the, the best of what you can get out of working together with others on a, in a contractual arrangement um, and still leveraging the just the, I think, the, the goodwill and the reputation and the brand that a country has worked hard to develop over the course of the uh, over the course of many decades uh, going back. So we're excited. This collaboration contract will take effect April 1st at the earliest. Communications outreach to farmer members will be continuing during that process. I'm Don Wick reporting for the Red River Farm Network. There's no exact timeline for the opening of the Texas-Mexico border, but BNSF has issued an immediate embargo on all southbound shipments through Eagle Pass and El Paso. The embargo is designed to avoid congestion when the rail operations reopen across the border. BNSF said this decision may cause a short-term disruption to its shipping customers, but it will speed up the recovery process once that border crossing reopens. Meanwhile, Canadian Pacific Kansas City Railway has placed an embargo on empty containers being sent from the U.S. into Mexico through its Laredo, Texas crossing. BNSF and Union Pacific are unable to send or receive cargo because of the Eagle Pass and El Paso closures. CPKC is concerned its competitors would flood the still-open Laredo crossing with rail containers. Grand Forks-based National Weather Service forecaster Blake Rafferty says fog in the Red River Valley will stick around into tomorrow before storm system moves into the southern part of the region. Traveling tomorrow morning might be a little bit difficult with uh, areas of dense fog. Tomorrow, though, is looking warmer than today. Today will be in the 30s across the area. Saturday should be 40s for most of the area. But if that fog hangs on, we might not get quite as warm if it's like today where it just won't go away. 
And then as we approach Christmas, that's where that storm system is going to start to impact the area. It doesn't look like a lot of precipitation with it right now, but there's a lot of uncertainty with how it's going to fall. Temperatures are going to be right around freezing, so rain, snow, mixed precipitation are all possible Sunday into Monday. The best chance right now is the southern Red River Valley into adjacent areas of west central Minnesota. Temperatures are expected to stay above average into the extended forecast. The weather should quiet. Be, be much quieter. Um, we're not really seeing any signs of any other troublemakers for any travel worries. Um, temperatures still, though, above average, probably staying in the 20s to 30s for most of the area, and high temperatures for late December should be in the upper teens to lower 20s, so very warm still, probably 5 to 10 degrees above average through the new year. When you look at the three to four week outlooks from the Climate Prediction Center, they still favor above average temperatures for our area. The storm system will cause some rain and snow this weekend in the southeastern northern plains. World Weather Incorporated says the band of accumulating snow will be thin, but it could cause some travel issues. Christmas Day through next Thursday is expected to be mostly dry, but there will be some snow moving into the far southeastern areas. World Weather says there is potential for increasing snow during the first week of January. Rainfall pattern for Brazil is expected to be favorable over the next week. World Weather says rain in the driest areas of northern Brazil will improve topsoil moisture, but still more will be needed. Southern Brazil will see a good mix of rain and sunshine, which will promote good crop development. And Argentina will see a good mix of rain and sunshine, and planting progress is expected to advance quickly. NDSU Ag Finance Specialist Brian Parman says evaluating interest rates has to do with your frame of reference. If you look at it from a long timeline, let's say 40, 50 years, uh, no, they're not actually that high. You can go pick out plenty of periods where interest rates were above 9, 10% for consumer loans and everything else, and you don't have to go back all that far. And before rates were really being cut, let's say in the early 2000s, Six and seven percent was a common rate that folks could expect to get on things like a home loan or anything else. But if you're using 2017, 16, 18, or, and, and then of course 2020 and 2021 as a point of reference, then obviously eight percent looks very high. Parman says the real challenge could lie ahead. And then the other challenge then becomes have you made decisions based on three and four percent interest being the way forward, uh, you know, the future? If you have and you're needing to go in and renew some of those loans and, and, and whatever else that you need to take care of for, you, for your operation, and then all of a sudden you start taking in 8% or 85 or more, well, then that certainly uh, puts a strain on that you, you might not have been anticipating. The merger between Valley United Co-op and Thompson Farmers Elevator Company takes effect January 1. The new organization will operate as Valley United Co-op. Valley United Co-op CEO Paul Coppin will manage the new company once it is consolidated. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Friday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. Bell Bank Director of Agribusiness Development Lynn Paulson does not expect farmland values to decrease in 2024. The tops are, are, are probably in. You know, there's been a phenomenal amount of cash built up in the last two, three, four years in agriculture. And, and so a lot of the land that that's being bought isn't being bought with the intent that they're going to pay for it with future cash flows. They're, they're buying it with past profits, right? Um, so, you know, from that standpoint, 
uh, you know, I, I think land values are fairly stable, especially the good land. You know, the good land, you know, it's, a, it's the first to go up, last to go down. And I think if you're going to see any softening in the land market, it'll probably be in that, you know, what we might categorize as marginal land. And for farmland, value and price are not always the same thing. Paulson says he doesn't expect producers to let increased interest rates impact opportunities to purchase good ground that they've had their eye on. Most land purchases right now are still obviously being done by active farmers and producers. I don't think that's going to change, and I think if a good quarter of land comes up next to a producer that's been looking at that land for 40, 50 years, I don't think a difference of 4% or 7% is going to change their interest in, in that property. You probably only get one chance in a generation to buy that land, and if there's some strategic value in purchasing that land, I think they'll still be you know, fairly aggressive. In banking, we're like, are you talking just price or are you talking about value? And sometimes the value goes beyond just the price um, in terms of how it might fit into the overall operation. Martinson Ag Risk Management President Randy Martinson says the livestock market has three major reports to digest this weekend. It's going to be interesting. You've got the cattle on feed, which should be friendly as it shows, you know, the numbers show placements lower. That would be helpful. And then we've got the hogs and pigs report, which last one showed a hint of maybe more hogs. This one shows maybe a little bit calming or a little bit slower as far as expansion is concerned. So that hopefully will be somewhat supportive. Corn Belt Marketing Market Analyst Sam Hudson says low trade volume is the main market feature ahead of the Christmas holiday. Typical, you know, what we could expect, and we're going to see a lot of this next week too. Um, a lot of traders just off in general. So if we see any headlines to push things around, that can make the market a lot more fickle. Um, and, uh, you know, wouldn't put it against that. But I think, you know, one of the themes we'd look for into the new year is, is uh, you know, what we do with open interest. We've shed a lot of open interest at the Chicago Board of Trade, at the CME on top of it. And if you want to bring any of that interest back in after the first of the year in a thinner market, then I think you can see, you know, some jitters. Um, just rebalancing in general can tend to do that, too. And on top of it, you don't have anything else to talk about. We have South American weather is pretty much the only highlight. Um, but I, I think we've already avoided a worst-case scenario there. It's just going to be the breadth and depth of the production cuts. The Minnesota Department of Agriculture has appointed Jim Molinar as the Farmland Access and Succession Team's coordinator to assess farmers in succession planning. Molinar, in collaboration with legal and financial experts, aims to facilitate the transfer of farmland to the next generation at no cost. Addressing the aging farming population issue in Minnesota, there's no cost for, for participants for using that service. U.S. Class 1 railroads originated 25,200 grain carloads during the week, <coughs> excuse me, ending December 29th. That is down 9% from the previous week and the same week last year. The average shuttle secondary car bids offers were $88 above tariff for the week ending December 15th. That is $17 more than the previous week. Barged grain movement totaled 657,000 tons, up 9% from the previous week, but 17% less than a year ago. The rate to ship a metric ton of grain from the Gulf to Japan was $60 and three quarters, down 5% from the previous week. The rate to ship from the Pacific Northwest to Japan was 31 and three quarters dollars per metric ton, 4% lower than the previous week. The Minnesota Department of Agriculture will award its first full round of soil health financial assistant grants January 1st. Nearly $2.4 million is available to help farmers and others purchase 
or re retrofill soil health equipment. This is a 50% cost share with a minimum grant of $500 and a maximum of $50,000. Brad Redland oversees the program. You know, you make your case for, uh, for what you need, and that's what we'll base our awards on is just like, you know, great cases for soil health. And what we're seeing is just a whole lot of no-till drills, of course, but other stuff too, you know, tanks. There's been a couple drones. <laughs> People on these drones for their seeding. There's, you know, all kinds of, you know, some adapted high boys and stuff for inner seeding. There's manure injection. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. Let's catch up with Ag Week editor Jenny Schlecht. Jenny, what do you have for us on the cover of Ag Week? Well, this time of year we always like to look back at, at what's happened throughout the year and, and, and kind of recap that. And, and we're doing that this year, but the main story uh, is what we thought was a big one for the region, which is that we're seeing some soybean crush plants come online. And that's obviously been something, at least here in North Dakota, that's been a long time coming. Uh, I spoke to um, farmer Mike Clemens uh, during the green bison soy processing uh, ribbon cutting event last month, and he, he talked about how uh, Freedom to Farm in the 1996 Farm Bill and and just the the need for farmers to have another market for their crops has led to this um, to this moment where we're seeing some domestic demand for soybeans that hasn't really been there um, in the past for the farmers up here. Sure. And that's just one of the many stories that uh, you'll touch on here uh, in this edition. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're going to talk uh, Supreme Court cases in uh, Prop 12 uh, affecting the pork industry. We're going to talk a little bit about WOTUS. Uh, we're recapping um, what's going on on the White Earth Reservation in Minnesota with uh, water rights and and a few other uh, stories that got a lot of attention from our readers this year. Well, Jenny, sounds interesting. Looking forward to reading about it next week's Ag Week. Taking a look at markets before we leave you, Minneapolis March wheat a penny and a quarter higher at 7.15 and a half. May a penny higher at 7.25 and a half. Chicago wheat four and a half higher at 6.17. Kansas City down two and a quarter at 6.24 and a half. March corn a penny and a quarter higher at 4.73 and three quarters. July a penny higher at 4.96. Soybeans, January futures, five and a quarter higher at 13.02 and three quarters. March, seven higher at 13.08 and three quarters. Live cattle, February futures, two cents higher at 168.70. Feeder cattle, January, $1.27 higher at 222.97. February lean honk, 72 cents higher. This is the Red River Farm Network.